This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Elman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA's Jasmine Graham speaks with Hannah Olson, co-founder and CEO of Disclo. Hannah Olson is the co-founder and CEO of Disclo, an innovative HR software helping employees to safely disclose and ask for accommodations at work. Hannah was named one of the top 100 powerful women of 2020 by Entrepreneur Magazine and one of the top 100 LGBTQIA plus venture-backed entrepreneurs of 2021 by Gangels. We are thrilled to have her with us today on the Impact Report. Welcome, Hannah. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to have you here. I personally am really excited to talk to you as a new executive director of a not-for-profit called Mid-Hudson Energy Transition. And our mission is to empower municipalities, their residents and businesses to own and share renewable energy, create healthier buildings and join in community wealth building to strengthen the resilience of the Hudson Valley in the face of climate change. So I also think a lot about what does it mean to empower the employees of MHET and to create an inclusive and supportive environment for everyone to thrive in a way that works best for them. And I am so grateful for the work that you're leading to make work safe and accessible to everyone. Thank you so much and and kudos to you on the new position. Thank you, thank you so much. So your first venture is a company called Chronically Capable, one of the largest and most used disability recruiting platforms in North America. Can you tell us what led you to found the company? Absolutely. So uh, I kind of fell into this work. So I, when I graduated college, I was in the midst of, of treatment for a chronic health condition. Um, and shortly after my college graduation, I actually had a pick line placed in my arm, uh, which if you're not familiar, it's essentially a permanent IV. And so I was hooked up to IV antibiotics for about eight hours a day. And when I first entered the workforce, I I struggled deeply with navigating these conversations with my employer. I truthfully didn't see myself as someone with a disability, and I definitely didn't check the box on my job application um, saying that I was someone. And unfortunately, long story short, I ended up in a company that wasn't inclusive and couldn't accommodate me. Um, And I, I just saw firsthand how challenging it was to be someone with a chronic health condition or disability here in, in the workforce. And um, I knew there had to be a better way for us to accommodate and support people and, and their diverse needs. And so ended up at a startup, had a really, really awesome boss who treated me with dignity and grace and like a human. And truthfully, I, I wanted everyone like me to have a boss like him. And so the two of us um, stemmed off and started our first business, Chronically Capable, back in 2019. Um, with the mission really of of connecting folks with various chronic health conditions and disabilities um, to companies who care and companies who were able to accommodate and support these individuals. That work is so important. So how has it grown over time and why do you think it's been so successful? Yeah, so I think, you know, ironically enough, we had been out since 2019, but officially launched the platform quite literally a few weeks before the pandemic hit the United States and we all went remote. 
And suddenly the, the way we work changed drastically. And we started to think about accommodations very differently than we had in the past. I think before accommodations felt like a very difficult or challenging thing for employers to implement. And suddenly we had to accommodate all of our employees essentially overnight. And I think it, it really started to shift the way we work and, and the way that we're able to support our people. And so uh, throughout the pandemic, we grew the business quite significantly and, and started to gain traction in the disability community, as well as building these true enterprise partnerships. Um, but through building that business, we, we actually kind of stumbled upon a, a deeper issue, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get to. Um, and that's what led us to get into our, our second business in this space. Um, but yeah, I, I think the pandemic really just shifted everything. And I don't think we can ever go back to the way it was before. And so that really kind of pushed the, the work that we're doing. I couldn't agree more. And I actually was one of the few people who was working remote, maybe not few people, but was working remote uh, prior to the pandemic. So I've been remote since 2018. And, you know, that flexibility has really given, you know, given me the ability to take on so much more, to be a more active member of my community and to, um, to really grow professionally and not. So I, I'm a really big proponent of remote work in, across the board. And, you know, you touched on this, but it's allowed, you know, a lot of people that were typically left out of the workforce due to, you know, either medical conditions or caregiving responsibilities or any kind of physical difference to participate in the job force without the same level of stigma. And so I, I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what are your thoughts about the trends to call workers back to in-person work? Um, yeah, it's a great question. It's a loaded question um, because I, I think what's really interesting is that they just released the, the stats from 2022 and disability employment reached a record high. And we're seeing more people than ever being able to be employed and to be able to access work. And like you said, a large part of that is remote work and, and is that flexibility where uh, people who, who weren't able to even just get to work are now able to access a computer and, and do, do things right from their couch if, if need be. Um, and so I think, you know, as we shift back to work or, or back to normal, quote unquote, um, and I want to emphasize, quote unquote, I think there's a lot of um, adjustments that need to be made. And I do think we need to think about all, of, all that we accomplished during the pandemic. We saw that work didn't stop, the world didn't stop, businesses, many of which were booming, a lot of technology companies boomed during the pandemic. Um, and so I think we need to still provide access to those uh, who do need remote work. And I think it also goes to show that people need to stand up for themselves and need to ask for that support and need to advocate for continued access to remote work because it does enable us to, to have a stronger workforce when we can tap into talent that we weren't able to prior to the, the pandemic. And so I think we made a lot of progress and my hopes are that companies can see that and be proud of it and can continue that beyond the pandemic. And, and as we return to work, I just hope we don't digress. That's a, that's a real concern. And so, you know, if, if you had it your way, uh, what what trends would you see employers start to make to you know in response to the success of remote work in the pandemic? 
Yeah, so I haven't touched upon this just yet, but um, I may have alluded to it, but we actually started a second business this past summer um, called Disclo, and we help people to disclose and, and ask for accommodations at work. And through running this business, we're seeing a lot about the needs of companies, employees, and, and what employees are asking for. And many of these people are asking for continued remote work or being able to even work remotely one or two days a week. And so um, I think companies need to be really aware of the needs of their people and be able to adapt to those needs. Um, as I mentioned, we're not going back to the way it was before. And if we don't really understand our people and what they need, then we can't make decisions on, on behalf of them. And so I think offering the opportunity for people to speak up and disclose and ask for accommodations is really crucial. We're starting to see legislation legislation roll out supporting pregnant employees and nursing employees. And um, they're entitled to many of the same support mechanisms and accommodations that those with disabilities are. And so my hopes are that companies are more forward in asking their people of what they need and, and really listening to those needs because we can't continue to make decisions without understanding what our people are, are actually asking for. Absolutely. It sounds like Disclo has really been an outgrowth of your prior work with Chronically Capable. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that transition and, and how you got started with Disclo? Yeah. So, and you know, as I mentioned, initially we saw the issue as being how do we get more folks with disabilities into the workplace? We've now seen, as I mentioned, in 2022, disability employment reached a record high. More and more folks are getting access to that work. Um, but pretty quickly into launching Chronically Capable, my, my apologies, um, we started to hear from our employer partners as well as job seekers um, about the same challenge. And that was regarding disclosing and asking for accommodations at work. And right now, the, the process is very uncomfortable and very clunky for people to ask for any type of accommodation. So if you were to say, I need to work remotely, for example, or I need a certain piece of equipment, you're forced to divulge very personal information to your employer. And it's a very awkward conversation. And employers really have no way to manage this whole process because it's illegal to store it um, in their own systems. And so what we've found and what we've seen is that there was a real need for a safer way for people to go through this process and a, a better way for companies to manage the end-to-end -end, um, process of, of administering accommodations. And so we kind of fell into this business as well um, through just our own experience, but um, we're now building a system very similar to TurboTax, but for accommodations where it allows for people to kind of be guided through a step-by-step -step process um, in asking for accommodations. And so we can learn a lot more about your people, a lot more about their needs and build that trust with your employees, which is very hard to do when you're asking them very uncomfortable things. Absolutely. And I love that this came about so organically that it came out of the needs that you all saw, you know, directly through your work. And I think as, as companies have invested more time in their justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion initiatives, to varying degrees of success. Uh, disability is sometimes left out of this conversation. And employees, as you mentioned, are often very reluctant to disclose whether or not they have a disability. So, you know, how is Disco moving the needle on this? And have you seen, you know, the impact of your work in, in providing this safer way to disclose? 
Yeah, you're completely right. Most companies can't even tell you what percentage of their employees have a disability. Um, but with other diverse groups, we're able to point to those numbers. Um, and I think disability has just often been left out of the equation or it hasn't been tracked properly. And it's largely due to the fact that it's not safe for people to, to disclose. And so, you know, prior to, to building Disclo, we knew that only about 3% of people came forward and disclosed at work. And every time we have a company on board, we ask them uh, prior to starting with Disclo, what is your number? What is your percentage? Um, and we've been able to, to have most of our employee, employer partners hovering at about 20% um, of their employees signing up for Disclo, which shows us that there's a real need for just a safer way and, and really a third party to, to kind of step in and build that trust. Um, people don't want their health information being tossed around and they don't want their employers knowing specifics of, of what they're living with. Um, and so we're, we're already starting to see that impact. And in real time, a company that's using Disclo can view how many of our employees live with a disability. You can break down by department and see, hey, you know, in our marketing department, we've got 4% of our employees here disclosing, or perhaps most requests in the finance department aren't getting approved. And we can get a real view of, of our people and, and their needs and also um, the gaps that our, our company has in terms of being able and willing to accommodate our people. So we're making progress. I mean, it's we're nine months you know, out here, but um, I think it just goes to show that there is a better way and there should be a continued need for trust and safety and employees require that in order to, to come forward. I mean, that's an incredible statistic right there. You know, 20% disclosing compared to 3% shows, as you said, that the need is very much there. And so I'm, I'm curious, as a founder seeking funding, what was it like to fundraise for Chronically Capable and Disclo? And what did you learn about the process? Fundraising is tough. <laughs> I think we're in a bit of a different environment today than we were even six months ago. And um, I've been fortunate enough to have learned a lot over the last few years and learned how to navigate the process. Um, but at first, you know, I walked into fundraising rooms, virtual Zoom rooms, I mean by that. Um, and I was always the youngest in the room. I was also a woman. And I was also someone who was pretty vocal about being sick and, and having a disability. And so it was like this triple whammy and not to mention that I'm also gay. So it was like a quadruple whammy. Um, but I, I struggled deeply with just getting my point across and being treated equally and um, being looked at as, as being capable. But I, I always dug back and, and thought, who are the, the investors that really cared and, and got our mission from day one? And those are the people who are on our cap table today that are living, breathing supporters of, of Disclo and Chronically Capable. Um, but I, I've learned to advocate for myself a lot. I know how to navigate these conversations much, much better than I did in 2019 and 2020. Um, and I've been able to find my voice and, and learned just kind of how the, the world goes, but it's, it's not easy. And I think diverse founders do have a disadvantage and, and will continue to until we start to see them succeeding and start to share those stories and start to celebrate the wins of those who have been able to grow a business successfully because we exist. <laughs> yes. And we love to have the opportunity to celebrate you as a young queer black woman, also quadruple whammy. I absolutely hear you on the difficulties and the challenges 
And I wonder, you know, what additional advice you may have for, you know, the young founders, the disabled founders, the queer founders, you know, the the women founders and, and everything in between who have structural barriers in place. Um, how, how do we advocate for ourselves in these spaces uh, to make sure that our organizations can do the good work that we need to do? There is so much work to be done beyond, um, you know, that we can even talk about today. But I think largely self-advocacy at its core is, is the ability to believe in yourself and stand up for yourself and stand up for what's right. Um, and I think when I was able to get a voice and to not take no for a no, um, I was able to get my point across and get people to take me seriously. I think people are, are quick to, to think that if you're out there fundraising and you're out there building a business that you're beholden to investors and you're beholden um, to higher ups. But in reality, they want you just as bad as you want them or they need you just as bad as you need them. And when you can start to shift the narrative and think, hey, you know, the train's moving and you can either hop on my train or you can hop off. Um, that's the kind of, of self-advocacy that I think diverse founders often lack, um, but should should do. I think, you know, you have to be able to, to think, you know, I can and I will do this with, with or without your help. And um, I think that's something that people often struggle with when you, you have rejection and you're told no. Um, but the ability to turn that into a yes is the ability to say, I don't need you and I can do this without you. Um, so I think also I'll, I'll add here as well. Um, I think also building a network, never stop networking. There are so many people out there to support you and to help you. I wouldn't be here today without the support of my fellow founder friends, without mentors and resources, online communities. So seek them out. You know, reach out to me if you, if you're out there listening to this and and want someone to talk to. Uh, we cannot do this alone. It's really we're, you know we're all in this together. That was like a really cheesy high school musical line. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. I mean, you can hear even in the advice that you would give to others, network and support and community and solidarity, right? These things that very clearly show up in your work at Disclo and at Chronically Capable. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share? There is so much that I would like to learn from you. And um, I wanna make sure that you have the opportunity to add any other thoughts you might have. I would just say, um, you know, be open to change and, and be strong in, in what you want. I think it's just so easy to, as I mentioned, when you hear the word no, um, it's easy to, to have this fear of rejection or feel like you're not gonna be able to accomplish anything. Um, I was told no 124 times the first time I went out and fundraised. Um, that was really defeating. I spent many nights with my face in a pillow. I was really sad. I thought I wasn't gonna be able to do this. Um, be open to change, be flexible, um, but also just dig deep for what you believe in. I think at the end of the day, good prevails and good people and good ideas and um, just, just continue to be a good person uh, because there are good investors out there. And, and I'm really lucky today to have people around my table that I trust and to believe in what we're doing. Um, and it took a long way to get there. And 
I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so be open to the fact that things may take time and be flexible. I actually want to go back for a second to ask if um, or what would you say to employers who are maybe wanting to do better in this space, but don't know where to start? I would say educate yourself. I think we rely on others to constantly be educating our, us. And we're, you know, I've had so many companies that say, how do we do this? And, and what, what do we have to do? And how do we find support? And how do we find people with disabilities? How do we accommodate them? A lot of it comes down to education, understanding the experiences of those with disabilities. There are so many content creators out there, actors, artists, musicians, um, advocates, entrepreneurs who have had hardships and listen to them, watch them, absorb them. And I think you have to put in the work and that takes a level of, of self-understanding and a level of drive to actually do that yourself. But um, it's so important that you put in that work and, and get that education and come come talk to me again if, if you want some support. But um, I feel like there's a level of education that needs to happen on your own as well. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I would say to, to business leaders. I appreciate that acknowledgement so much. I think a growth mindset is one of the most valuable things that anyone can have in their toolbox because I'm one of the first people to say, I don't know it all. And I don't know what I don't know. Um, so mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I really appreciate, I really appreciate that acknowledgement. My last question for you is how can listeners learn more about your work and how can we support you? If you are an employer, I encourage you to, to come to our website. We currently work directly with employers. So our website's disclo.com, kind of like the word disco, but add in an L um, for disclosure. And how can you support me? I think it's to, to continue to amplify you know, our voices and to show and celebrate in successes, like you said. Um, I'm constantly cheering on my friends who are our founders and who are putting in the hard work. And so the more that we can get the word out there, the better. It's unfortunate that many times people say, well, I wish I knew about you sooner. Um, and so I think the way that we can do that is, is through collective voice and, and celebration. So um, thank you for, for listening. I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here today. And I would like to give you a, a round of snaps for all of your fabulous work. Um, you. So, so grateful for the opportunity to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. We appreciate our Loyal Impact Report listeners and hope you can help us spread the word about the series and the important sustainability work of our guests. Please rate and review the Impact Report wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you were inspired by this conversation, share a screenshot on Instagram and tag Impact Report Podcast. Learn more about the topics discussed in today's episode by visiting disclo.com. That's D-I-S-C-L-O.com and by visiting wearecapable.org.
join us for the next episode of the Impact Report on Friday, May 19th. We'll be speaking with Laura Diaz-Munoz of Ellers Estate Wines. Interested in learning how you can launch a high-impact, purpose-driven career in sustainability? Check out the resources page from the Bard Graduate Programs in Sustainability for access to free resources to jumpstart your career. Hear from leaders in the fields of climate change, consulting, impact finance, circular economy, and more about how they launched their careers and the tips they have for you to join their industries. Visit gps.bard.edu resources today.